0: If you'd like to turn with me, we'll be reading in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll read verses 12 through 14. 2 Timothy 3, verses 12 through 14. And those verses read, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And we're going to title this message, The Expectancy of Believers. The Expectancy of Believers. Now, with a title like that, we could have almost an unending list of things that we could share with you about what the Bible says, Believers, can expect because we're told but we're going to limit our thoughts to this text and the things that are mentioned within it. We do not have to be naive as human beings nor as Christians because what a blessing it is that God in his word has told us so many things not only what has been but what will be. And so we cannot be surprised like the unbelieving world when certain things happen or occur if we're students of the Bible because we know God said it would happen and that it shall come to pass. And there are a couple of things in these verses that we want to look at today concerning what we should expect or our expectancy. It's easy sometimes for us to become naive because we become forgetful about what God's Word says is going to happen or is that happening. And, and sometimes we may wonder in our own minds or discuss it with somebody about, well, why is this or why is that or what's happening or what's going to happen when many times the Bible has, at least in general, The general answer, if not the specific. So, we'll look at these texts for the expectancy of believers according to these texts. Now, the Bible begins in this chapter concerning perilous times in the last days. Verse 1 says this, Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And then there is a description of the characteristic of people or humanity in those times. Now, when it says here last days, we're not talking about some appointed time that after so many hundreds or thousands of years, we finally reach a time period or a date that we know this is the last days. When you look at that word, latter days or last days in the New Testament, and even the prophecies of the Old Testament that speak toward that end, we're talking about a period of time that if it had a beginning, it was the beginning of the end of the Lord's ministry and resurrection, when He ascended into heaven. At His ascension, beginning then, until the time that he will return again is the last or latter days. You might remember just recently, I read to you that scripture in second or in Hebrews chapter one, verse one and two, how that God in, in divers manners and places has spoken to us by the prophets, but in the last days has spoken to us by His Son. So that's a good reference to tell us what the last days are. They are the times following the appearance, the incarnation, and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. I kind of was stuck in my earlier years as a Christian thinking, okay, uh, you know, the last days is going to be a time when we finally get this many years, then it's going to be the last days. You know, like uh, let's just suppose Christ was going to come 5,000 years after He ascended. Okay, well, when we got in the last hundred years of those thousand, 5,000 years, That would be the last days. No, it's it's always been the last days getting closer. In fact, a good way to illustrate it would be with your own life. Uh, You know, those of us that are turning gray would certainly say, well, we're in the latter stages or the latter days of our life, you know. We wouldn't have said that at 20, but we could have been in the latter stages at 20. We didn't know it. But certainly now that we're turning gray and in our 60s or 70s, we know that there's not as much time left on the future as there has been in the past. So we're in the latter days, but we've always been in the latter days because we don't know when the end is, is the bottom line. Now it says that these days will be perilous times, perilous times. And it's not that there never have been perilous times nor will be perilous times until these last days. There has always been perilous times. Perilous times started when Adam and Eve sinned. And they're the result of sin. They're brought about by sin. They've always been here. And perilous times fluctuates through time with people... Environment, circumstances, kingdoms, generation, the amount of evil, the amount of godliness. However, the peerless times here are referring to the progressively worsening of times that are going to get very, very bad in the latter days. And in fact, this word is translated perilous here, but it actually also is translated fierce. And to give you an idea of just the severity of what perilous means and how perilous they will be. The word is translated fierce in Matthew's Gospel chapter 8 and in verse 28. Dealing with Christ coming to the land of the Gadarenes and two men out of the tombs coming to meet him. We refer to it in the other Gospels, which speaks of only the one that was converted, as being the gathering demonic. But in Matthew 8, it says they were exceedingly fierce. Not just fierce, but exceedingly fierce. They were demonic possessed. And that means these individuals were dangerous. They would hurt you, they could harm you, they could kill you, They lived in a savage manner. So that's the word fierce that is here. They were troublesome. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with them. Everybody avoided them because of literally their ferocity, meanness. Well, that's the same word here, perilous. Do you think we're living in such an environment today? Unless you're an ostrich with your head stuck in the sand, we absolutely know we are. We're faced with all kinds of dangers and we're not just talking about the martyrdom danger of the danger of having your life taken for the cause of Christ. That was the common persecution in Bible times in the New Testament and many centuries thereafter. It still is in some countries today. However, people are not having their heads cut off in America because they're Christians today and we thank God for that. But there is still persecution today in America, which we're going to get to, as well as throughout the world, and we live in dangerous, savage times. Look at the outroar over the overturning of Roe versus Wade, and you can see, indeed, this is perilous times. People reacted to that, as well as other things that are perverted, ungodly, and sinful today, as if they were literally out of their minds. Well, in some sense, they are. In some sense, they are. If they're lost and in dead trespasses and sins, they are, in some sense, out of their minds. But perilous times means, again, dangerous, savage, beastly-like, troublesome times a time that is just hard to take or hard to bear because of the wickedness that is prevalent now what does the bible say about the coming of christ and the end time says it'll be like the days of noah right what were the days of noah like every thought the imagination was on evil continually I mean, it was practically hedonism, and that's about where we're at today. Every type of perversion, things like honesty, honor, integrity, things like that are nowhere to be found. And everything that, in fact, the word moral, you might as well toss it, cut it out of the dictionary. There is no morality. It's just a declining of the times. And so we are in those times, and it is not pleasant, is it, to a believer? To be in these times when wickedness continues to advance and prevail, it's hard to take, isn't it? You have to be careful about the news and things like that. It'll just, I mean, it'll make you not want to get up of a morning if you get involved in that stuff. So... The perilous times here that we're talking about and uh, the last days and things, it's not a set time, but it's speaking of a gradual worsening. A downhill slide when it comes to that which is righteous and that which is moral. And that is very natural progression due to sin. Alright? Get that point. Be reminded of it. Sin does not make things better. It makes things worse. Things do not improve over time in a sinful environment, in an ungodly world with sinful people. They get worse than they get before they ever get better. Now, this is exactly what happened, I remind you, with the flood, right? You know the Bible timetable? In a short 1,500 years... The evil of this world had reached an epic proportion that God said, enough. And I've told you before, 1,500 years. Well, why didn't it reach that proportion and God destroy it in 1,500 more years? Because God in His providence restrains the evil of humanity that time may go on and let me say to you if God did not exercise restraints upon men and upon the evil and ungodliness of this world it would turn into chaos and would in some sense self-destruct that would be the natural end but God in His providence prevents that from happening because God's going to have the last word and God's going to destroy it. Man's not going to. So, again, we stand in awe of God that He prevents this from repeating itself over and over again. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I've mentioned this to you before. Well, how, do, how does God do this? How does, you know... Um, Just think about evil and sin and it's progressively getting worse and worse unless God does something to check it or whatever. Well, you can read about the history of the Old Testament, you know. Those kings got worse and worse and then God would check it with what? A good king. And what would the good king do? He would bring the law back in and he'd get the people involved in the things of God again. In some case, having the law read again. And many times we read we read this concerning the kings. And he took the, the sodomites out of the land. You know? So that's God checking or resetting, stopping it or resetting it back rather than letting it just keep getting worse and worse and worse till it would destroy itself. And God's always been doing that. So, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. That's progressive, verse 13. But let's look at the first expectancy that we can expect. And uh, that is verse 12. And it says that all that live will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And notice, shall, you know. First of all, all that will live godly. Who is that? Well, that is true born again believers. Those who in spite of the conditions, in spite of the circumstances, live by faith. It says all that will live godly. This is not referring to those who claim to be Christians, but those who are actually not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word, that will live godly. Alright? Now, there's lots of people who claim to be Christian who are not living godly. Time will tell whether they're really believers or not. Because an unbeliever not only won't live godly for an extended period of time, they can't live godly for any expanded period of time. And this goes back to the dog and the hog. If the nature has not been changed by the new birth, then eventually the nature will tell off what they are by what they do. And the hog will return to the mire and the dog to its vomit. And as John said, they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. So, true believers are those that not might or might not live godly lives. They will live godly wives because they have a divine nature imparted to them by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's no credit of ourselves that we live a godly life. All credit goes to God who works in us that which he, we will to do of His good pleasure. And then notice it says, we'll live godly in Christ Jesus. That little prepositional phrase is very important because you can see a lot of people living a quote-unquote godly life in false religions. They have a God that they're following after and they may be very reverent, very pious. They may be very moral and do many good things, but they may be doing it outside of Jesus Christ. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus means we are believing in Christ for salvation. We are following and obeying his example. Not outside of him, but within him. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. We are following him, his example. We have put on the mind of Christ. We are seeking by the Spirit of God to walk in the footsteps of Christ and to practice what he practiced. We are saved by grace in Christ alone, and we are sanctified by grace. Now, I say this in contrast to those who may be living a quote-unquote godly life or living in a state of piousness, but they're doing it according to their own works, not according to the grace that is in Christ. These are those who are practicing rites, ceremonies, formalities, and et cetera, and appearing to be very godly. But as the Pharisees of old, Jesus said, you just look white on the outside. Inside, you're dead men's bones. You're no different than a tomb that holds a dead, stinking corpse. Oh, you look pretty outside. You make a show outside, you know, you want people to know that you pray three times a day or four times a day. You want people to know how much you read the scripture. You want people to know what you give to the church. You want people to know how much you attend and participate in church functions. But if you're not walking, living, godly by the power of the Spirit in and through Christ Jesus, it's all for nothing. And you think about that. All false religions do this. I mean, whether they call them priests, whether they call themselves nuns, whether they call them proselytes, whatever they call themselves, in all kinds of religion, there is a piety, a godliness, that is not associated with Jesus Christ. It's not associated with grace, it's associated with works. So we're talking about real believers that live godly in Christ Jesus. And the final thing about them is... They shall suffer persecution. That's what Paul says here to Timothy. They shall suffer persecution. Who's going to suffer persecution? The ones that claim to be Christians or the ones that are living out the Christian life in front of others? Well, the latter always, because those who claim to be something in order to avoid persecution or what have you can just quit claiming it. And they did that in John 6. Remember those individuals that heard Christ preach the truth and they said, it's too hard for us. And they turned back and walked no more with him. Well, they didn't have to worry about being persecuted, did they? Who were persecuted? The ones that adhered to the teachings and commandments of Jesus Christ. They shall suffer persecution. And again, when we think of persecution, especially in the biblical sense, we tend to think of martyrdom and people being beaten, imprisoned, or put to death. Now, that has happened. It is happening. It's still happening in some places. And of course, in earlier in the human history, and the history of the world, it was happening a lot in a lot of continents. Religious freedom has taken over in a lot of countries in Western civilization, and it's no longer people are being imprisoned here and in other Western countries. Nor are they being put to death for being a Christian, and we thank God for that and the religious liberty we have. But not everybody has that in Muslim countries and other type of countries, communist countries. People are still being persecuted in a physical way. Persecution can come in so many ways. We mentioned this at the very beginning. Ours is no different than theirs. It's a different sense. The word persecute here literally means uh, to make, to run after, to chase after, or to make somebody flee. And this is no different. You see it clearly in the Gospels. When Jesus came and began to preach, what, what do we see? People were after Him. They was after him from the first time he preached till the last day he went was giving up the ghost and went into the tomb, wasn't he? They were chasing him. They were conspiring. They wanted to put him to death. They wanted to silence him. They were chasing after so forth. And even as we read in Sunday school this morning, uh, you know, Jesus said there are going to be some places you're going to go to and they're not going to like you and they're going to want you there and they're going to run you off. And we'll find that some people will be so vehement and so hateful and so haters of God and of the truth of God, that not only will they run you out of their town, they'll chase you to the next town. That happened with Paul, didn't it? Remember Thessalonica? They run him out of there and they couldn't let it be, so they chased him down uh, on down the road Father. Well, that's what persecution means, to make you run, to make you flee, to drive you away, or to chase after you to do harm Because you're a Christian. Now, do you feel like you're being chased after today because of being a Christian belief? Well, you are. Look at what our society believes about God. Look at what's being taught in the school and prayer forbidden. Evolution being taught and what have you. You know, if you believe the Bible, you're being chased after. (laughs) Literally, let me put it like this. Our culture today in America would love to run you out of the country if you believe the Bible because you don't fit in with what they believe they don't believe in god they believe in if they do they're agnostics or deist or theist or something like that or or, uh, they believe in evolution they don't believe in genesis creation and stuff and people that do they'd like to run you off chase you off and they'd be happy to see you going off the scene you know that from the politics from the culture from the morality from the abortion issue from the homosexual issue if you believe the bible people don't want you around different form of persecution at least not yet and i pray it will not happen they're not coming and murdering you because of your beliefs but it could happen People are getting murdered today for other reasons, aren't they? And we see some of these protests and things where people would do other people harm because of what they believe about morality that's taught in God's Word. So. It's a different form of persecutions, but just remember, persecution can come from many, many sources, and it can come in many, many ways, and it has so down through the ages and will continue to do so because of the wicked and because of the ungodly. Things can be taken from you. Freedoms can be denied you. Rights can be denied you all through policies of those who hate God, hate His Word, and hate you. The world is not your friend. But we can expect God's people will live godly lives because He will sustain them. Verse 13, the second expectancy. Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So just as surely as God's people will be persecuted any place, any time, anywhere, in any age, here is part of the reason for it. And this goes back to the perilous times we introduced at the beginning. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. There's never been a time in human history when evil men were not getting worse and worse. They've always been getting worse. Evil can't get good. Evil can only get worse. And then it can get worse than it was. That's the natural tendency of sin. And the effects of sin. And of sinners, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. And a description that we're not going to take time to read is verses 1-5. through It describes the negative, downhill characteristics of evil and evil persons. We are reminded that a man cannot become good out of an evil heart. I mean, Jesus gave illustration after illustration, didn't he? He said, do you find fruit growing on briars? I mean, do you find sweet water coming out of a bitter fountain? The Old Testament, can the Ethiopian change the color of his can the leopard just get rid of his spots i mean it would be a greater miracle for a sinner to do good than it would be for a leopard to lose its spots a leopard would come more near losing its spots at some point in time than a sinner could ever do good i'm not talking about acts of good i'm talking about good done out of a good heart to the glory of god that is impossible Jesus, well rather the Old Testament said it, neither can you that are accustomed to do evil ever do good. It's an impossibility. Evil men can only get worse. And there's a very interesting word here, wax. And that's not wax like candle wax. Evil men and seducers shall wax. It's a verb. And they're going to wax worse and worse. Adverbs telling us how bad it's going to be. And I found this definition... Enlightening. I'll share it with you. The word wax here literally means to beat forward. Now that doesn't carry much of a definition to you, does it? Unless you're a person who is involved in making things like a blacksmith or a forger out of hot metal. And you can take, just for example, and us men would know this and if you've ever done it, Let's say you take a piece of flat quarter-inch steel and you heat it up in a fire, all right? And then you begin to beat it at the back side of where it's turned orange out toward the end and the front side. You know what you can do? You can take a six-inch piece of metal that's a quarter-inch thick and you can end up making it 12 inches long. What are you doing? You're beating it forward. You heated it up, and you're beating that out forward. Let me give you a simple illustration. They couldn't use this because it wasn't bubble gum, but you can take a little piece of bubble gum, can't you? And just stretch it way out forward, and it'll, it'll. Re- the little, the word here, wax, means to beat forward, just like a man would beat a horseshoe or some type of needle and elongate it. It just keeps. Reaching out further and further. The dimensions of it just keep going and going and going out worse and worse. In this case, sin and evil in that regard. And this is a natural thing. I mean, this is another reason to believe the Bible. What does the Bible say? Evil men and seducers will get wax worse and worse. Have you ever seen it any other way? Does history record people and societies getting better in and of themselves? No, it don't happen. Things don't get better, things get worse. I mean, that's as good a reason as any to believe the Bible. The Bible tells us why it's here and why it happened so, and the experience of human history is exact that. And again, I'll recite to you the flood. If God didn't do something humanity would destroy itself in some chaotic condition on some level. I'm not saying the human race would go out of it, become extinct, but it would get so bad and worse in some places that it may not survive. I don't know. That's hypothetical. But that is what sin does. It does not make anything better. It just continues to go downhill. It just gets worse and worse. It continues to snowball to depths of depravity that we never could have ever imagined. Whether it is an individual, whether it is a family, whether it is a community, whether it is the society or governments and nations, it don't matter. It gets worse and worse with time. So we can expect that because God says that's what sin does. That's what history records. That's what we experience for the most part of our little short lives. So we should not be surprised. You know, it would be sad to see a Christian wandering around. Well, I just wonder why things aren't getting better. I mean, you just admitted your ignorance of Scripture. If you're saved by grace, you know why things aren't getting better. You know why you never improve without the grace of God. And the grace of God and the truth of God is the only thing that can improve things. And they're on short supply, it seems like, these days. So the depravity of man, the history of humanity, shows us things will only get worse. Let's talk about doctrine, teaching, heresies. Religions, denominations. What has time given us? It's given us more gods, more idolatry, more
1: heresies. And there's things today that weren't there. in your wildest imagination, think that human beings
0: would ever come to the point in their evil depravity and ungodliness to defy their own We're there. Are we not? We're there. Just because I'm biologically this doesn't make me that. I mean, it's a world upside down is bitter called sweet. People stand up and will lie with a thousand witnesses knowing they're lying. And they won't blush, and they won't be embarrassed, and they won't feel guilty, and they won't be ashamed because it's just accepted. We've got cameras. We've got tape recorders. We've got ways of catching people more than we ever had, and they're
1: blatantly caught every day, and they just... Continue to lie. Why don't they start telling the truth? Things that are there.
0: God is this, Christ is that. I mean, I'm not even going to go into that. It's blasphemous, the things that are said and done concerning the person of Christ in religions today. Deceiving and being deceived. Let me inject a scripture here. This deception, this evil men and the things that are happening that we're exposed to in these perilous times today, makes very real the question Jesus asked in Luke 18 and 8. When the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on earth? I mean, that scripture in and of itself should take us back to Noah's time. It was so bad in Noah's time, where was faith found? One man, one family. Jesus is saying as it was in the days of Noah and of Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be when the coming of the Son of Man. That perilous, that bad, that dangerous, that troublesome, that evil, that wicked, that perverted, that debauched. We can expect it to be so because we know that's all sin does. These individuals are deceiving and being deceived. And let me say this, it's easy to deceive ignorant people. The Bible is being pushed out of society, pushed out of school, in some cases pushed out of churches, or put on. and it is being pushed out when it's put on the same level with other things. And ignorance makes it easy. Look at what the Catholic Church did through the Dark Ages. If you keep people ignorant, you can control them. Look at the cults. If you keep people ignorant, you can manipulate them. You can lead them like sheep to the slaughter if you want to. Jim Jones, anybody else, any cult?
1: God's Word. Where you come from, what you're doing
0: here, and where you're going to go when you die, and what your need is. That's the ultimate ignorance. And there's a short supply of information and truth today from God's Word. Let me make a quick reference here. Notice this in verse 6. There's a reference to the ignorance there. It talks about these evil men form of godliness, so they're religionists, and they deceivers and go about deceiving in verse 6. For of this sort are they which creep into Leave captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lust. Quick comment. That verse is not
1: saying, like some women are offended by, it's not saying that all women are silly. doesn't mean little women as far as physical size. It means little as far as
0: understanding and knowledge is concerned. Now, Satan is no dummy. The Bible makes it clear whether women like it or not, whether men like it or not, whether feminists like it or not or anybody likes it or not, that God constituted the woman to be the weaker vessel. Bottom line, God did not make male and female different because they have different roles. And we also know Satan, not being ignorant himself, he did not approach Adam in the garden. He approached the weaker vessel, right? Who do the lions go after when they're targeting prey? The weaker vessel. I mean, anybody knows that. You look for the vulnerability of your enemy or your prey. So he's talking here about little women in mind, in knowledge, And that's why I say when a person is ignorant, be they male or female, they are easily deceived. If you don't know what the Word of God says, a cult leader, anybody that claims to be a preacher, a Paul, an apostle, or anything else can easily deceive you. The Word of God is the only thing that can
1: keep that from happening. today anyway, but I thought about it.
0: If we went back and began to look at various religions and denominations that were started by women, I would think we would find it very, very interesting
1: because again, Satan knows just like it says, deceptive teaching, silly women, again, little
0: in mind or little as far as knowledge of truth, who are laden with sins and carrying a guilt complex. It doesn't mean they're all immoral, but it doesn't mean a burdening with sin. That makes you vulnerable because you're looking for an out. It's like being sick. You're looking for a pill to make you feel better. And if somebody comes along and has got something going to make you feel good quick, you're going to swallow it hook, line, sinker. And they do. These are the deceivers led away with divers lust. And let me also say give honesty to this verse divers lust various lust just because it says lust does not mean sexual. Many times it does.
1: Fleshly lust. But lust doesn't You know what? I'll say this. I
0: may disagree with it. it would seem to me that Hillary Clinton had a lust to be president of the United States. Now, there's nothing sexual about that. You see what I mean? But, I mean, that's what we're talking about, a lust being such an obsessive desire in that regard. So, deceivers, being de- deceiving
1: others, and being deceived. Continue thou. And I would say
0: that but there would infer in spite of these things, in spite of the fact you're going to be persecuted, in spite of things not getting better but only getting worse, do what? Continue thou. I like the personalness of that. And of course, we love the substance of the admonition, do we not?
1: Continue thou, abide. Contrast, don't move away from.
0: Stay where you're at. Stick with what you've been taught. And all of that can be summed up in one word called perseverance. Continue thou, continuing thou
1: is perseverance abide grab the hold of us like a bulldog and won't let go we're holding on to him because he's holding on to us
0: that's the ultimate thing and as it says here, the
1: things that thou hast learned has been. What truth? What do you know to be truth?
0: I, I heard him talking about the planets the other day, and about this time of
1: year. You know, the moon—the moon was the biggest going to be this year. Planets were. The I am and I'll tell you why because they also tell us a big bang started
0: all this millions and millions years ago so if they're that on some things how can we know how many million miles it is to something else I know we can calculate speed of light I understand that I'm not denying science but when they start throwing this stuff around
1: I just don't get settled on it it just don't move me I'm not going to put any emphasis on it because after all and because they got a degree and because they've
0: been at such and such a place we're supposed to believe everything that comes out of their mouth I tell you
1: am I cynical? Yes I am and I'm getting to be more so if somebody tells me majority of it is not true.
0: So, abide in, continue thou, stick with, hold on to, and stay in that which you know to be true and assured of. Where do you get assurance? By believing what God said and then experiencing it to be true. It's true
1: when God says it. We believe it by faith. here. You know, when God saves you by faith, you're a post in the ground. But when you experience those things,
0: the concrete gets poured around it, don't you? I mean, you ain't going nowhere when you experience what you've already believed and what God has said to be true. And the final thing is consider of who taught it. That's pretty important too. You don't believe it because some guy calls himself a preacher. You don't believe it
1: because somebody calls himself a prophet. You believe What was preached unto them when they proved it to be true, then they believe it, and then they acknowledge and
0: verify the genuineness of the source. If the message is not true, the messenger is not true. And that's the way you trace it back. Paul said it. He describes these other guys here. And uh, verse 8, Janies,
1: James, withstood Moses. They're men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerns. 10, Paul says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner
0: of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my charity, and my patience. And let me say to you, all those are characteristics of the Lord Jesus Himself. If you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, there it is, right there. He was all those things. Paul says, This is what I am. I'm not corrupt. I'm not spreading lies. I've told you the truth in sincerity, and you can rest assured it's true. In other words, don't believe anything from somebody that don't practice what they preach. And this was Jesus' harsh accusations, remember, to the Pharisees. Remember that? He said, oh yeah, you preach it, but you don't practice none of it. You lay heavy burdens on others, but you won't lift your little finger to do the first thing that you want everybody else to do. If somebody don't live what they're preaching, you shouldn't believe what they're preaching.
1: Our conclusion is, as God's people, let's not be nice. So it's going to get better. No, it's not.
0: It's not it can't only God could do that, and he could have to he would do it by revival if he'd be pleased to do so, but over the long period of time, things are going to continue to go downhill and get worse and worse. We thank God for the time when
1: evil gets restrained. we thank God for the overturn of Roe v. I mean, it was a good day, but the evil is still
0: beating itself forward, isn't it? So don't expect it to get better, but do expect
1: this. Expect Jesus to come. When Jesus comes, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Be faithful till He comes. It's no different than holding a job,
0: you know. And as an employee of an employer... The Bible says you're supposed to be a good worker, a faithful employee, aren't you? But it doesn't say you can't look forward to quitting time, can it? No, you can and do. Likewise us, let's be steadfast, unmovable, knowing that we're going to be persecuted, knowing
1: that things are going to get worse, but in spite of that, we persevere. We are the light, we are the salt. Let your light so. stand <clears> to <throat> number
0: 101.